All right, Jehovah said, good morning. Let's, uh, let us begin. Okay, so we left off, Rabbi say if you remember again, mitzvahs, lulav, no, I'm sorry. We left off evil. Evil, right? Amar Ivo. Uh, two, four, six, eight lines up from the bottom. Amar Ivo, mem dalal amabes. Today's daf is mem hey, mem dalal amabes. Amar Ivo, quickly, mishum. Rabbi Elazar Bat Sadok. So I was sending Rabbi Elazar Bat Sadok. So what? Al Yalich Adam Ba'arvi Shabbosos Yosem Gimel Parsos. A person should not travel more than Gimel Parsos on Erev Shabbos. Why? Why? He says, Amr, I'm sorry, Yosem Gimel Parsos. If you look at Rashi, Rabbi Elazar, he says, Lo Yahalich, Eli Yishbos Lo Ba'od Yom Gadol, Yachal Lo Sudish Shabbos. Rabbi Elazar, as I mentioned yesterday, the Mishnah Bura comments on this, on this halacha of not traveling more than Gimel Parasos, that Gimel Parasos is approximately the amount of distance that would take you a quarter of a day to travel. A quarter, or I should say actually a third of the day to travel, is what the Mishnah Baruch says. The concern is that if a person spends the bulk of Friday traveling, what's going to happen? They're not going to have time to make necessary provisions for Shabbos, and a person won't have Su'udah Shabbos. And if a person doesn't have Su'udah Shabbos, then again, that's going to detract from their own, from their enjoyment of Shabbos. Therefore, a person should not travel more than a gimel parasos. Amr Avkana, lo Amr Nelabeisay. said, "When is this true? When one is traveling home. So, if one is traveling in the direction of home and one realizes that one will not make it there with sufficient time for Shabbos, the concern is that Lamaisa, once the members of one household, one's household will not have sufficient time to prepare for him food for Shabbos, and he's not going to have onik Shabbos." Therefore, better to go ahead and stay where you are or travel a little bit less and have time to prepare your food. But if you're traveling to an inn, so when you're traveling to an inn, very often when people went to inns, they realized that they had to provide for their own provisions. So a person is already prepared, prepared to make do with what they have. Others say no. Rather, according to Rav Kahana, this is even true in one's home, meaning that if one is traveling to one's house on Shabbos, one should not travel more than three parsos in order that one not get home too close to Shabbos and then one's household not have the ability to prepare food for him for Shabbos, thereby diminishing from his own egg Shabbos. And certainly all the more so it applies to what? To an inn. Because Rav Rashi points out that to one's own home, often one would say, you know what, it's okay if I have a little bit less for Shabbos, it's just nice to be home. Kamashulam, that pseudo Shabbos are exceptionally important. So one should not travel more than three parsos, even in the direction of his own home on Shabbos. Amr of Khan Khan said, Bididi hava uvda. This happened to me. This happened to me. So Rav Khan says, It happened to me that I was traveling. And what happens? I traveled more than three parsos. This sounds like maybe he came to an inn, not necessarily his house. And I came to an inn, and what happened? I got there right before Shabbos, and I could not even find Kasa de Harnasa. What's Kasa de Harnasa? Fish hash. It was, a, it was a, a dish made of fish kishkas with a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. It's considered to be a very simple food. And I'm kind of saying, essentially, when I showed up so close to Shabbos, there was nothing for me to eat, not even a little bit of Kasa de Harnasa. And I will say, this is how the, the Shukhanor Paskins. Shulon says that on Erev Shabbos, a person should not go in and travel more than three parasols. Obviously, it's reflective of, of their type of travel, of their type of uh, means of travel. But his point is that a person should not travel on Shabbos in a way where a person is not going to have time to prepare properly for their own Egg Shabbos. Says the Yimara. 
Mitzvahs lulav ketzad. So if you remember again, if you remember again, the Mishnah said that how do they perform the mitzvah of lulav on Shabbos? That they would go ahead and bring their lulav to the base of Mikdash on Erev Shabbos, and the Chazon and the Gaboyim would take it and arrange it on the Itztava, arrange the lulavim on the benches. So says the Gemara, Tani Tanakamid Rav Nachman, Sudrin, Sudrin, Agag, Agag Ha They would go ahead and they would place the lulavim. So remember, everybody would come bring their lulav, give it to the Gaboyim, and the Gaboyim would place the lulavim, according to Rav Nachman, on the roof of the Itztava. I will say, what does this mean? There were benches by Harabais, as we'll see in just a little bit. So what happened by the benches? These were roofed benches. So according to Rav Nachman, they would place the lulavim on top of the roofs of the benches, and the next day everybody would come and claim their lulavim. So the Gemara says, Amrlei. So he said to him, he said to him, this is Rav Nachman now speaking, top of Memhei, if you put lulavim on the top of the roofs of the benches, what's going to happen? The sun's going to come out, and the sun's going to dry out the lulavim. So do you want to dry the lulavim? So the Gemara says, Ela ima, Rather, what it means to say is they place the lulavim where? On the actual benches themselves. Not al-gag, but al-gav. On top of the bench. On the Harabayis, literally, I will say, was a doubled row of benches, one row within another row. So the Harabayis, just, just giving you a, a fact, there were there were Rashi says staff kafel itstavaos makifos also vitstavaos achirim lefanim mehekev. So they had two rows of benches that went around Harabais, and it was on these benches that the gaboyim used to put the lulavim for the people to collect the next day when they came to the base hamikdash. Says the Mishnah, mitzvahs arava keitzad. How would they perform the mitzvah of arava? It's a beautiful gemara. So the gemara says keitzad. How would they do it? Makom. There was a place that was in the lower, lower down from Yerushalayim, Venikra Motza. It was called Motza. I will say it's interesting. You know, if you if you leave when you leave Yerushalayim today, so the truth is there's a city called Motza. Now I don't I don't I don't think it's the same Motza because again it's that I, actually current day Motza is a little bit far. It is a little bit far. I mean you are going down. You are going down when you go to Motza. But the truth is, if you think about where the Beis Hamikdash is, if you think about travel, like walking from the Kotel to uh, where Moza is, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big trip. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like this was some valley, some valley not too far from the Harabayis. I'm sorry. You were never. That's right. You were never off Kazdarnasa. And what happened? Vinikra Moza, Yarden Lasham. So they would go down to there. Umelakten Misham Murabios or Murbios Shel Arava. And they would go to this place, Moza, and they would collect from there literally bunches of aravas, bundles of aravas. And they would bring the aravas, and they literally would, would rest the aravas against the side of the mizbeach. And the tops of the aravas, this is actually quite amazing, the aravas were so tall that the top of the arava literally hung over, hanged over the top of the mizbeach. And what happened? Taku veheriu vitaku. At that point in time, they blew a tekiah, a chirua, and a tekiah. They so taku heriu vitaku. And what happened? Bechol yom makif nasam isbeach pamachas. Every day they would circle the isbeach one time. The omrim ana hashem oshiana, 
and they would say the phrase Ana Hashem Oshiana, Ana Hashem Hatslichana. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says no. They would say Ani Vaho Hoshiana. They would say Ani Vaho. Now I will say it's interesting. Rashi points out over here that this phrase Ani Vaho is actually related, is a part of the 72-letter name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So they would say, Ani v'ho ho'shiyana, v'osahayom makitam es And on that day, that day is a reference to what? To the seventh day of Sukkot. They were circled the Mizbeach seven times. B'sha'as p'tirasan mahenomen. On the seventh day when they would take leave of the Mizbeach after doing the Arabah service, what would they say? Mahenomen. Yofi lecha mizbeach, yofi lecha mizbeach. Beauty is yours, mizbeach. Beauty is yours, mizbeach. Rabbi Eliezer, or Rabbi Lezer says, Lecha ulecha mizbeach. Lecha ulecha mizbeach. According to Rabbi what would they say? To you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to you, mizbeach. To you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to you, mizbeach. Again, we'll define what these phrases mean in the Gemara. Ki ma'aseu b'chol, kach ma'aseu b'shabes. The same way that they did the Arava service during the week is the same way they did it on Shabbos, with one difference. Ella sheimelaktin osan me'erev umanichin. Rather, what was the difference? They would harvest the aravos on erev Shabbos. Harvest the aravos on erev Shabbos umanichin osan begigios shel zahav, and they would place the aravos in golden barrels. In order that what? They were not wither. So they would have these golden barrels filled with water, and they would place the Aravos inside these golden barrels that the Aravos should not wither. Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka, Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka says, Rabbi Yochanan seems to be, ben Baroka seems to be introducing or, 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 or discussing a new practice. So he says, what were they doing in the Beis HaMikdash? They would bring, they would bring palm branches, palm branches which sounds like lulavim, but not lulavim they used for mitzvah. They would bring additional palm branches, v'choftin osan bekarka, and they would literally go ahead and hit it against the ground, b'tzidei ha-mizbeach, against the side of the mizbeach, v'osa hayom, and on that day, nikra chibut chorios. They would call that day the beating of the palm branches. Again, we'll discuss in the Gemara what the symbolism, what the symbolism of that practice was. On the seventh day, they would take the lulavim from the children, and what? And they would go ahead and eat the children's esrogim. So on the seventh day, after the last performance of the mitzvah, they would take the kids' lulavim, and they would eat the kids' esrogim. Also, just an interesting idea. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, There's no issue of theft here. Now, what this is saying over here is, it's not just, I took the esrog of my kid, I can take the esrog of your kid. Now, obviously, if your kid has an esrog, who, who does that belong? Bless you. Who does that belong to? It belongs to the parent. So, yeah, Rashi says, there's no issue of theft, and there's no issue of dark shalom, of, of, of <coughs> disrupting communal harmony. Shekach nagu machmas simcha. Because this was done as a form of simcha. Essentially, after we discharged the obligation with the esrog on the last day, we, we enjoyed, we physically enjoyed the mitzvah. So because, it's, so because it's an element of simcha, therefore there's no gezel. It's not called theft. Just quickly, if you look at Tosos, this is just a very interesting idea. Tosos says, Actually, you know what? Let, let's do the dafras and, and then we'll come back to it if we have time. Says the Gemara, Tana, makum kalan yahava. So, this place, Moza, this place, Moza, was a tax, was a tax exempt area. Rashi says, Kalanya, Ben Chorim and Amas Shalmelech. It was not a, it was not a taxed area. 
So the Gemara says, "V'tana digan my time a karile moza." So why does our Tana call the name of this place moza? Oh, I did the mefak mikarga de malka karile moza because it was exempt from the king's head tax. It was called moza. The will say, "So moza, moza literally means what, or can literally mean exempted, exempted." So this place got its name why? Because Lamaiset was exempted from the king's head tax. They would go and they take these aravas and they stand up the aravas against the side of the mizbech. And remember, what, what, did the, what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said that, that the top of the arava would hang over, would hang over. The top of the arava would hang over the top of the mizbech. So the Gemara says the following. Tana, I will say, by the way, just so you understand, that, that's, that's tall. That's tall because I was going to see that the, the mizbech itself was nine hours tall. So the fact that the Arava was tall and hung over and hanged over, hang, hanged over, hung over, hung over, was um, hung over was was quite significant. So we'll see this now. The Gemara says, "Tana, rabos va'arukos ugivos achadasar ama." There were many Aravos, and they were long, and they were long. How tall were they? They were eleven amos tall. Pretty, pretty tall, both say. Remember again, amos is about a foot and a half. So, so it's pretty, pretty significant. So they were eleven amos tall. In order that they would be able to lean against the Mizbeach and overhang on the Mizbeach for an Amah. So both sides, remember again, it must be, so now what we're having over here is that Lamaisa, we want the Arava, the Arava was able to hang over the, was able to hang over the Mizbeach by an Amah. Says the Gemara, in order for that to happen, the, the, the Aravos must have been placed on the Yisod. The Yisod, I will say, is the base of the Mizbech. Now watch this. So the Gemara says, Because if you're going to tell me that, Lemaisa, the Arava was placed on the ground level, here's the issue. Let's see how this would work out. The way the Mizbech was, if you can imagine, you start from the bottom. So the way it worked is, the Mizbech went up in Amah, and then it went in an amma. That that amma now what, what becomes that amma protrusion? That's called the yisod. That's called the base. All right, zel yisod. Allah chamesh. So I'll say again. Now remember. Now let's measure. Let's measure again. So now we have amma up, amma up, amma 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 indent, amma indent. Now again, measuring from the 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 that indentation. Go up another five amos. Go up another five amos. Allah chamesh. The kanos amma. Then the Mizbech indents another Amma. That's called Zehu Sovev. <coughs> Zehu Sovev. Now again, measure from the indentation of the Sovev. Allah Shalosh goes up another three Amos. Zemakama Kronos. Then you've gotten to the top of what? To the top of the horns. Which are both say again are the four protrusions on the top of the Mizbech. Zemakama Kronos. So what happens? So how could it be that the Arava would overhang the Mizbeach, that's nine Amos, rather it must be that they would place it at, they would place it actually on the Yisrael. And we'll say, there are two options for how you could place the Arava. If you place the Arava at ground level, what's the issue? The issue is that it's going to be placed at an angle. Right, because remember again, placing it on ground level means that remember you have you have 
three sets, you have two protrusions. So therefore, again, if you place it on the angle and the arava is 11 amos tall, you're not going to have a one amma overhang. Essentially, the Gemara says the only way to have a one amma overhang of the arava is how? To place it against the yisod, which essentially makes it flush with the mizbeach itself, which then allows for the one amma overhang. So the Gemara says, therefore, shmami no. Amrabi avo, micro. What's the pasuk? When it says, what's the pasuk? What it's asking is, Rashi says, Obviously, this fact that we want the aravos to overhang the mizbeach, what's, is, there, is there some kind of scriptural proof? That, is there some kind of scriptural allusion for that? So the Gemara says, Shnei yes, Isru chag ba'avosim ad karnos ha-mizbeach. So the Gemara says, what's the pasuk? The pasuk is, the, is from Tehillim. It, now, the way the Gemara is understanding this is the final. Look at Rashi. So I'll say the way that So the Mars understand that the word avosim, avosim literally means those things that are bundled together. The Gemara understands that to refer to tree-like items, i.e. aravos. So Isru Chagbaavosim, go ahead and bundle together those trees of the Chag. Those trees of the Chag. What are the trees of the Chag? That is a reference to Aravos. So what happens? Isru Chag. So Isru, isru means bundle. Chag means Yom Tov. Ba'avosim means trees. So bundle together the trees of the Yom Tov, which the Gemara's understanding is a reference to Aravos. Until where? Ad Karnos Hamizbeach. Until ultimately they reach the, the until they reach the, the, the corners of the Mizbeach. Rashes at Karnos Shim Gavos Remember again, those those Kronos, those Kronos, those those horns are taller than the top of the Mizbeach. So put the trees of the Yom Tov until they reach at least the horns of the Mizbeach. Okay. Remember again, I'll say we're not looking for a pasuk that te- that, that tells us we have to do something. We're looking for an allusion to this idea that we want the Aravos to overhang the Mizbeach. So the Gemara goes right. I'm Rabbi Avoh, I'm Rabbi Lazar. Beautiful Gemara. Kalanot lulav ba'agdo. Anyone who takes the lulav bundle, vahadas ba'avoso, and takes a beautiful hadas. Hadas ba'avoso. Remember again, avos means plated. Means remember it has the three, the three, the three leaves at every step. Ma'ala alav akasuv kilu bana mizbeach. The Torah treats it as if he has built a mizbeach. Vehekriv alav carbon and has offered a carbon on it. So we'll say if you take your lulav and esrog in your adasim. And what happens is as if you brought a carbon. Where do we know this from? Shenema, because the pasuk says on the base, "Isru chag ba'avosim ad karnos hamizbeach." Literally, Rashi's "Isru agudo shalulav." So "Isru" means bundle, bundle together. Our first lulav bundle, chag on yomtov ba'avosim. Remember what is what, what are hadasim called? Anaf eats avos with your hadasim ad karnos hamizbeach. If you take your lulav, you take your hadasim. It is as if what Rashi says at Karnos It's as if you have placed blood on the corners of the mizbeach, i.e., as if you have actually brought a carbon. So we'll say if you take your lulav and esrog, your hadasim, your haravos, it's as if you have brought a carbon to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I'm Rabbi Yirmiyah Mishnah Rabbi Shmuel Yochai. Rabbi Yochanan Mishnah Rabbi Shmuel Hamakusi Mishem Rabbi Yochanan Hamakusi Kala Ose Iser Lechag Baachila Ushtia. I will say, in this context, <coughs> Isra means connection. Whoever creates a connection to the Yom Tov through eating and drinking, i.e., if you celebrate the Yom Tov through eating and drinking, then what? 
The Torah treats it as if what? As if you have gone ahead and built an altar and offered a carbon on top of it. Because the Pasuk says literally, connect with the Yom Tov. How do you connect with the Yom Tov? Avosim Rashi says, Avos is a reference to what? Good and fat animals, which is a reference to good meat. If you connect to the Yom Tov with good meat, it's as if what? It's as if you have offered up a carbon on the Mizbeach itself. So we'll say another, another idea. Chizkiah says, in name of Yermia, in name of Rashi Mayachai, Kala Mitzvos Kulon, all Mitzvos, a person can only be Yotze Mitzvos if you perform them the way in which they grow. Now, what does it mean? Look at Rashi. What that means is the bottom part is on the bottom, and the top part is on the top. So, I'll say, so for example, let's just, before we get to the Gemara's example, if you were to take a Lulav and you were to go ahead and hold the Lulav upside down, then Lemai say you would not be Yotze. You would not be Yotze. Why? Because that's not called Derech Gidilasan. So, Gemara says, where do you know this from? Shene Emar, Atse Shitim Omdim. Because also by the Mishkan, the Mishkan says that you're supposed to use Atse Shitim is acacia wood. You're supposed to use acacia wood, Omdim, standing. So the Gemara says, what does that mean, Omdim? Derech Gidilasan. It means that you have to use the wood the way it grows. So also it's very interesting. So apparently when using the wood, when you, when you fashion that wood, that wood into boards, you have to use the wood in the same direction in which it grew. So you cannot take the board that was taken from the trunk of the tree and invert it, turn it upside down. You'd have to use it the way it grew. Dover Acher, another possibility for what Omdim means. Omdim, Shema'amidin es Sipuyon. Or the other possibility is that the wood must be able to hold its, its overlay. Let's remember, again, the wood planks in the, in the Mishkan were, had, had a gold overlay. There are two ways you could have made a gold overlay. One possibility was you would make a sheet of gold that was as large as the wooden plank itself and just simply cover the wooden plank with the golden sheet. Or other possibility, which is what happened, is they made smaller sheets, and it was it's quite amazing, they made golden nails. And the sheets of gold, the sheets of gold were attached to the to the planks of wood with golden nails. So the Gemara says that's what it means, at a sheetim omdim, that the sheetim wood, the, the acacia wood, had to be able to hold, had to be able to hold the golden plates on top of it with the golden nails. Devarachar, another possibility. Omdim, what does it mean that they were standing? Shema tomar avad sivram upatal sikuyon. Maybe you'll say that the wood of the Mishkan has become irrelevant, i.e. the Mishkan's gone, right? The wood of the, now the, the Mishkan, that the, the Mishkan was put away and it has essentially become obsolete for future generations. Talmud Lomar, atse shitim omdim. Therefore, the Pasuk says that the Mishkan is made of a kisha wood that is standing, sheomdim li olam uli ome olamim. The significance of the Mishkan is in fact eternal. We will say what that means, what is going to be the future significance of the Mishkan, that remains perhaps to still be seen. But Lemaisa, Lemaisa, it's omdim. It has eternal significance. The Amar Chizkiah, Amar Rabbi Yirmiyah, Mishra Rabbi Shimon Bayachai. Also, this is an amazing Gemara. So here we have Chizkiah, Chizkiah, in the name of Rabbi Yirmiyah, who said the name of Rabbi Shimon Bayachai. Yachol ani liftar asaolam kulo minadin. So Rabbi Shimon Bayachai was I said I can exempt the entire world from punishment. Meaning, I will say now what is Rabbi Shimon Bayachai saying over here? Rabbi Shimon Bayachai is saying is I am prepared 
to take on the responsibility for the collective sin of mankind. I, 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 I not, not to be confused with other, other men who made the same claim. Right? But, but, but the, the idea over here is that he's saying that I, I, I am ready, I am ready, I could absorb, I could absorb the chit the of the chatoim of the world. I, I have broad enough shoulders that I could absorb that. However, but I could only absorb the sin of the world from the day that I was from the day that I was created until now. And if my son Eliezer were to join me in this initiative, then we could absorb the sin of the world. We could absorb the sin of the world from the day that it was created until this until today. Until today. And if Yosem ben Uzziah, Yosem was one of the kings of the Jewish people, who was, or both say, a very righteous individual. If Yosem ben Uzziah was with us, then, then the three of us together could absorb all of the sin from the day the world was created until the end of time. To the end of time. And you know, both say, understand what that's saying. It's not a statement of arrogance. What it's saying is that Lamaisa, we'd be prepared to give ourselves. Remember, there's the concept of Misas Tzadikim Mechaber, the death of the righteous atones. So what they're saying is the three of us together, again, through death, through suffering, could go ahead and atone for all of the sins of the world together from the day that it was created until the end of time. Rashi points out over here, Yosem ben Azio, look at Rashi, Liftor, Bizchusi, and he so well called Avano Sehem, Upotrin Minadin. So I'll say what Rabbi, Rabbi Shemba Yachai is saying is, I would take upon me all of the suffering of humanity, all of the suffering of the world, in order to exempt them from punishment and take all of that punishment on myself. An incredibly selfless statement. Rashi just points out of here, Yosem ben Uzziyo, Tzadikaya, he was a righteous man. He was exceptionally humble. And he was exceptionally proficient for, in, in his kibbut Aveim. Yosem's father, Uzziyo, was a Metzorah. So because he was a Metzorah, he was not permitted to live in Yerushalayim. So Yosem assumes the responsibility of the monarchy, but would not assume the title of king while his father was still alive. Furthermore, all the proclamations that he made, he always did in the name of his father. So he was exceptionally humble, exceptionally proficient in the Kibbutz Avaim. So Rabbi Yochai says, if I had me, my son Eliezer, remember again, I will say, Rabbi Shabbat and his son Rabbi Eliezer had a very unique relationship. Why? They hid in the cave together for all of those years. So he said, if I had me, my son, and Yosam, we could, we, the three of us together could take upon us the punishments for all of humanity and absolve humanity from, 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 from din. Another very profound Gemara. Rabbi Shabbat says, I have seen the B'nai Aliyah. And I will say, who are B'nai Aliyah? We'll discuss them in just a moment. Vehein Mo'atin. And there are very few of them. There are very few of them. Now look at Rashi. Ra'isi B'nai Aliyah vehein Mo'atin. Ro'a ani lefi ma'asei abrios she B'nai Aliyah ko'ach kat ha-mekablin p'nei ha-shkina Mo'atin. So I will say, B'nai Aliyah are people who are capable of receiving prophecy. So Rabbi Shobayachai says, I have looked around and the people who are capable of receiving prophecy, B'nai Aliyah, are very few in number. Im Elef, if there are maybe, if there are thousands throughout the entire world, then I and my son are counted among them. Im if there are only a hundred, 
if they're only 100, then my son and I are counted among the 100. And if there are only two people in this entire world who are capable of receiving prophecy, those two would be me and my son. I will say again, I want to be clear. These are not statements of arrogance on the part of Rashbi. These are statements of awareness of his position. He's saying, I, I, know, I know what I am, I know what I'm not. And I'm saying that if there were two people who were capable of receiving the vua in this world, it would be me and my son. But is that true? That there are so few B'nai Aliyah, there are so few people who are capable of receiving prophecy. But Rav said, There are 18,000 rows of righteous people that sit before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Or in other words, it seems to be that there are 18,000 rows of people who are capable of receiving Nevoah. Because the Pasuk says, and over here is quoting the Pasuk, the Gemara is quoting the Pasuk from Yechezkel. Soviv, surrounding Hashem. Soviv, Shmona Asar Elef. There are 18,000 men that surround the Shekhinah that are able to receive prophecy. So how could Rabbi Shobay Yochai says that there are very few B'nai Aliyah? Lo kash, it's not a contradiction. There are different gradations of Nevoah. Aspaklarya literally means a screen. There are those who see HaKadosh Baruch Hu through a clear screen, and there are those who see HaKadosh Baruch Hu through an obscured screen, which, which represents clarity of Nevoah, clarity of prophecy. So, so what the 18,000 refers to people who what? Who see Baspaklarya She'ina Mi'ira. They see through a screen, but it's not a clear screen. There are many people like that. However, Rabbi was saying is there's a very few number of people who could see HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Aspaklarya Mi'ira. Through an absolutely clear screen. But is that true? That there are so few people that could see God through the clear screen. And this is the makar of a very well known concept. There are no less than 36 tzaddikim. We'll say this is the makar for this concept. There are no less than 36 tzaddikim who are able to receive the Shekhinah each and every day. I'll say this is the concept of the 36 tzaddikim. So there are no less than 36 tzaddikim that essentially have the ability to be able to receive the Shekhinah every day, which sounds like what? They have Aspaklaria Mi'ira, that they have the ability to have this clarity of vision. So 36 is nothing to scoff at. Certainly a pretty significant number for people who are having prophecy, clear prophecy. Shana Amar, the Ashrei, Ashrei, Kol Cholchei Lo. Praiseworthy is the one who waits for him. Lo lamid vav bigimatria. Lo bigimatria. Tlasen vishisava. What is lo in gimatria? 36. So literally, there are 36 people who are praiseworthy because they await the word of God, i.e., that they receive the word of God on a daily basis. So the Gemara says, Lo kash, it's not a contradiction. Had da'ayel bebar, had da'ayeli below bar. So what Shobay Yochai was talking about were people who are able to enter without permission. I'll both say the 36 tzaddikim are tzaddikim, but so to speak, they cannot go ahead and enter without permission. What does that mean? They can't engage the dialogue with God. God engages them in the dialogue. God initiates. What Rosh Hashanah was saying is, the Bnei Aliyah that he was referring to was twofold. Number one, people who receive Nevo of Baspaklarya Hamiira, clarity. And number two, what? They can initiate the dialogue. Those are very few and far between. There are at least 36 who are able to go ahead and receive prophecy. But again, that prophecy is ultimately initiated by HaKadosh Baruch Okay, just an interesting idea. Bishas Petirasan Mahinomrim. 
when we would take leave on the, on the Mizbeach, what would we say? What would we say? So remember again, the Mishnah spoke about, what would they say? They would say, they would say, I'm sorry, they would say, Yofi l'cham is beach, l'cha u'l'cham is beach, l'cha u'l'cham is beach. To you, to you, Akadosh Baruch Hu, and to you, Mizbeach, to you, Akadosh Baruch Hu, and to you, Mizbeach. So says the Gemara, how can you do that? say, in general, when praising Akadosh Baruch Hu, you cannot include something else in that praise. Right? So here, you're, you're, you are including something else. What are you saying? You're praising God, and what? And you're praising the altar. You can't do that. Why, Vitanya? Whoever goes ahead and includes the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and something else in the same statement of praise literally is uprooted from the world. You have to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu by himself without including anything else in that praise. In that, in that praise. This is what it means to say. In this context, modim writes, modim means, Rashi says, admit. We admit that you are our one and only God. And to you, Mizbeach, we praise you. So we're saying actually two different phrases. We admit that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our only God, and we praise the Mizbeach. To you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we admit that you are our God. And to you, Mizbeach, we say beautiful things. Okay. The same way we do it during the week, we do it on Shabbos as well. Remember again, I will say, then the Mishnah quoted the, the procedure of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan, what would he do? He would bring palm branches into the, into the base of Mikdash and he would beat it on the ground uh, right next to the Mizbeach. Why would he do this? Amr my term is Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka. What's Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka's logic? Tichsiv kapos. Rabbi Yochanan, because the Pasuk by Lulav says what? Kapos tomorrow. Now Rabbi Yochanan understands that kapos is what? Kapos is plural, which indicates that the Lulav is taken twice. What are the two times? One is for the mitzvah, and the second is what? For this process of what he calls the chibut charyos, the beating of the, the beating of the palm branch against the floor. So the Gemara says, One is for the mitzvah of Lulav, and one is for the beating on the ground by the mitzvah. For Rabbana, the Rabbana say, no, Kapos ksiv. Rabbos say kapos is written without a vav. So therefore, again, the, the, it's written chasra. Because it doesn't have a vav, that takes away from what? That takes away from the plurality of the word. Rabbi Levi says, no, 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 this is the meaning of the practice. Kitamar, that the whole idea of according to Rabbi Yochanan Baruchah, of the beating of the palm branches, was to say that we want to be like the date palm. Why? Just like the tamar, the date palm, has only one heart. Now, both say, what does that mean? If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, the way it works in a date palm, the way it works in regular trees is let's say you have sap, and that sap perhaps originates in the trunk, but it goes to all the branches. The date palm only has sap in its trunk has no sap in the branches. So the Gemara said, just like the date palms, so to speak, has only one heart, meaning the sap is centralized in the trunk, in only one place it has one heart. So do we only have one heart before you, HaKadosh Baruch. We have only one heart for you. So this beautiful practice of taking the date palms and literally hitting them on the floor, which represents a prostration, which represents a bowing, by the Mizbeach in front of the base of Mikdash, represents just like the date palm has only one heart, i.e. sap in the trunk, so too we only have one heart for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amrav Yudam 
Lulav Shiva B'Sukkah Yom Echad. So we'll say now a separate topic. This is the name of Shmuel. The Lulav Lulav Shiva. Now what does it mean Lulav Shiva? So we're talking about now over here the Bracha. So says Rav Yehuda, you make a Bracha on the Lulav all seven days and Sukkah Yom Echad. But if Sukkah, you only make a Bracha on the first day and that's it. My time, what's the reason? Lulav the Mafsiki Lelos Miyamim because also when it comes to Lulav, the mitzvah of Lulav is only by day and not at night. Therefore what? Therefore every single night will literally end the mitzvah. So I do the mitzvah on the first day, the night comes along, it ends it. Therefore the next day when I do the new mitzvah, it's what? It's a brand new mitzvah because it's a brand new mitzvah. It requires a new bracha. But on the other hand, sukkah, which I'm also applies both by day and by night, what? But by day and by night, Again, one bracha takes care of the entire Yom Tov. For Rabbi Shiva, Lulav Yom Echad. He says, no, Sukkah, you make a bracha all seven days, and Lulav, you make a bracha on one day. My time, what's the reason? Sukkah da'oraisa Shiva, because Sukkah is a da'oraisa all seven days. For Lulav, but Lulav, again, I'll say, is only what? It's only da'oraisa on the first day. The rest of the days are... The rest of the days are all are all durabanon. So ki Rabin Am Rabbi Yochanan Shiva. So we'll say when Rabin came along, he said the name of Rabbi Yochanan that both for lulav as well as for sukkah we make a bracha on all seven days. And we'll say that indeed is halacha lemaisa. Am Rav Yosef Nakut Draba Bar Barchana Biadecha. Take the sheet of Rabbi Barchana in your hand. The kulhu amoroi kaimi kavasi b'sukkah, because everyone holds like him by sukkah. I will say, what did Rabbi say? That you make a bracha all seven days by sukkah. So I will say, what comes out over here now is a fundamental machlokes as to how we make the bracha. Again, for us, it's a little anticlimactic. Why? Because Lamaisa, we know that we make a bracha for both lulav and sukkah all seven days, which essentially is conformance with the position of Rabbi Yochanan. We'll stop over here for today by this Gemara. Although, again, Lamaisa, the sukkah is not over, but I want to just take one minute to show you that toastless on Ahmed Alex. So go back for just a moment. This is a great toast. We're not going to do the whole thing just because of time, but I just want to show you. So it's the Tosos Miyati no Koshom to Levei. So if you remember again, the Mishnah said that on, after, on the seventh day of Sukkot, you could take the Lulav of the Katan, you could take his Esrog, and you could eat it. And Rashi pointed out, look at, so look at the Gemara, look at, look at Tosos, excuse me. Miyati no Koshom to Levei, Lulave Hatinokos Shom Tenagdol Miyadan. So the adults take the lulav from the children, and they also eat the esrogim of the children. And there's no issue of theft, there's no issue of disrupting public harmony. But because this was done in the context of simcha, therefore it's permitted. I will say, so I just want to show you because I think this is fascinating. And therefore we can learn from here. So this is wild. So you can learn this. So this was, there was wedding shtick. What was the wedding shtick? So, so friends of the chasan would get on horses. And what happens? Well, so you know what it sounds like? It sounds like jousting. Right? So they would get on horses. And they would fight with each other. This was the shtick. I mean, imagine this in the middle of the circle at the chasana. Right? So this, this was the shtick that they would do for the chasana. And what happens? The korin bigdo shel chavero. And what would happen sometimes? The shtick would get a little bit uh, labor dig. And one would end up tearing the shirt of the other. 
or one would end up hurting this horse of the other, Shehin Piturin. That's what I both say, you are not chayev if you cause that type of damage. Shekach nagu machmas simchas chosan. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this was in the context of simchas chosan lekala. I both say, you know where else this comes up? Purim. The Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that in the course of Simcha, I'm dancing with Ruvain, and in the course of dancing with Ruvain, what happens? I go ahead and I end up tearing his shirt. I, I tug on his suit a little bit too much. So the halacha is, I am putter from such damage. Why? Because damage done in the context of Simcha, ultimately there is no liability. So that's why, again, that's what Rashi is saying over here. That Lamaisa, because this is all being done in the context of Simcha's Yom Tov, when I take the esrog from the, from the katan, that's called Dvar Simcha, therefore there's no liability, just like the jousting for the chasen and kala, just like the tearing of the shirt and Simcha's port. All right. Again, there's more tattoos, but you could see it, you could see it on your own. Explain that to all the crying kids.